What's up, my friend? Welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad to have you here. This is your host, Daryl Evans, and I hope this finds you well wherever you are in the world. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for taking some time out and tuning in. Now, this episode is part two of a three-part series that I started back in episode 224. And I'm bringing you a part of my talk at Founder University for Startup NV here in Nevada. And in this part, I'm going to be talking about email marketing strategies for startups and how you should be thinking about it if you're a startup. Now, you might not be a startup per se today, but I want you to think about this as it relates to where you are today. So if you're not a startup, stick around, no problem. And if you want to go back and listen to episode 224, we talked about successful strategies for building a startup website. And I talked about six keys to building a successful startup website. That's going to be in episode 224. Before we jump in, I want to also invite you, if you're not already a part of the Growth Driven Entrepreneur community, I'd invite you to head over to growthdrivenentrepreneur.com and join us for free. We have free monthly trainings going on in there every single month. And you can also be a part of our email newsletter once you join the community. And lastly, if this happens to be your first time here and you're not familiar with me, my name again is Daryl Evans. And for the last 30 years, I've been an entrepreneur in the growth marketing and sales space. And over the last 12 years, we have been uh, growing a digital marketing agency that has been growing businesses online, helping them market, grow and scale. And essentially just really digging in from a strategy and an execution standpoint for our customers. You can find us over at yokellocal.com. We're done for you completely outsourced marketing department, which is quite affordable when you consider all of the talent expenses that you may have to be dealing with in your business. So if you'd like to learn about how we can help you grow, head over to yokellocal.com. We will see you there. Let's dive into this conversation around email marketing. And the first thing I want to do is I want to start off with three common questions that I'd love to answer for you through this episode. And maybe you're thinking about these. Uh, maybe they've crossed your mind. And these are common questions that I've been getting. Number one, is email still effective? Another question that comes up for those who are a little bit more seasoned in email, and maybe they've done email in the past, they'll ask me things like, aren't open rates and engagement rates dropping, so why should I be investing in that channel? And another more popular question, especially in light of the growth of TikTok and Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts, isn't social media better than email marketing? And so two things I want to start with. Number one, my background in the world of email marketing starts in 2003. And at the time of recording this, that puts me at 20 years in the email marketing space. Now, why would I still be emphatically positive and pro email if after 20 years, I thought any of those prior answers were true? Let's go into a statistic that Constant Contact has on their website. Now they say email marketing has a return on investment or an ROI of $36 for every $1 spent. Now I'm not as big as constant contact. I don't have the research dollars and I certainly don't have the data to make up that number myself. 
But I can tell you over the last 20 years how true that number is. And the thing that we want to think about is the long tail of where that 36 comes from. A lot of people, they think that a dollar in equals a dollar out tomorrow or a dollar in equals $36 out next month. And we all are smarter than that. We need to completely recognize and understand that there are certain acquisition channels where there's an ROI or a return of some sort of your investment in the short run. When we think about email, and I'm going to make a couple of distinct points here in just a moment, it is the long game that email wins at. I want to cover five benefits of email marketing with you here today very briefly. The first thing is pretty obvious. Number one, it's lead generation. You know, when you think about today's digital society, digital world, our mobile device world, our social media world, our micro content world, there are so many opportunities to which you can use email to generate leads. It isn't that social media is or better or worse than email. But what we like to say is that when we think about social media, we don't own those platforms. So number one, we can use email for lead generation. You probably already know this. Number two, you can use it for customer engagement. You know, when I think about my struggle in 2003, when I first thought about email, one of my problems was not a lack of leads. It was a lack of time to communicate and nurture and educate those leads until they were ready to buy. The next thing that I want to talk about and have you think about is first party data. Now, for those of you that are new to digital or you're not quite a seasoned over the last three to five, seven years, where you would be exposed to or experienced in the world of cookies and tracking and retargeting and remarketing, these have been fantastic ways for us to increase our engagement with our uh, website visitors and our subscribers and our leads. And, you know, we are now at a stage in our world where privacy, the consumer has spoken and won the battle and said, look, you're going to stop tracking me on all these websites without my permission. And if you're not familiar with this topic, just uh, Google the iOS 14 updates that happened a couple of years ago, where all of the tracking from a, an iOS device was cut off from Facebook by default once you upgrade it to your iOS 14. I'm not going to spend too much time here with that, but it's super important that the only first party data you're going to be able to get is the data you gather going forward. And that's super important for you to uh, amplify the results of your campaigns. Obviously, email is fantastic for lead nurturing. And of course, email is great for customer support as we round out those five. Okay, so let's talk in part two about some email best practices. I'm going to run through five quick things that I think every startup should be thinking about. And if you're not a startup, again, everything you should be evaluating in your current marketing. Number one, are you always building your list? Do you have an always on campaign? Is there something always on on your website, whether that's pop-ups, lead generation, white papers, eBooks, webinars? What are you doing to always be building your list? That's the first thing I look at whenever I'm advising a company for growth. That's number one. Number two, are you segmenting your list? What does that mean? Segmenting your list means just because you have 10,000 subscribers on your email list and 200 of those are MQLs and 50 of those are SQLs and 12 of those are opportunities, that's not the segmenting that I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is how did that person come into your world and are you doing step three, personalizing the content 
that they're receiving based on their interests. So what I like to do is say, what is the tagging mechanism that you're using? Someone opts into your email list and maybe they opted into a webinar about email marketing. Well, their topic could be email marketing, but what if they opt in secondarily to something else like in my world, maybe they opt in about Google ads. So now they're tagged to two topics. So there could be dozens of people that have multiple topics, but when I send an email out, it'd be great if I just took the people that were interested in Google ads and sent them a specific communication about Google ads, whereas the other folks were interested in this other topic of email. Okay, segmenting your lists can be extremely important because when it comes to personalizing your content, step three in this best practice, you're going to be able to do step four, which is be relevant, right? It isn't that email doesn't work. It isn't that email open rates are dropping. It's that what you're sending isn't relevant. So number one was build a list always. Number two is segment your list. Number three is personalize your content. Number four is be relevant. And the fifth one is stay top of mind. And sometimes that's all about frequency. But frequency alone is not going to be good enough to get people to open your emails. It has to be relevant, which is step four. So those are some quick best practices. I want to throw in a word of distinction. And that is, what is the difference? And I'm often asked this. What is the difference between an email campaign versus an email newsletter versus an email sales sequence, right? So when I think about those, those are three different things. Sometimes people will say to me, yeah, we've been doing email and we have email campaigns or we have automated workflows or we have trip systems. A lot of these words semantically seem to mean the same thing. Let me draw a bit of a distinction. A newsletter is more of a general informational email. It might contain multiple articles, multiple topics, links to various resources, and that is more of that long-term touch point after, I believe, someone disqualifies themselves from your sales process. When I think about a campaign, also could be called an automated drip, it could be a nurturing sequence, these words, again, they get kind of tossed around, but I like to break these down by intention. So if someone comes into my world and I put them into a campaign, they should automatically go into a campaign after someone is opted in, for example, for a webinar or for example, for a white paper or some other sort of freebie or lead generation mechanism. Why do I say do not put them into a newsletter? Because a newsletter is general and broad and may not be relevant so I like to say the only way, if I'm doing your marketing or if we're talking about it, the only way someone gets on your newsletter is they disqualify themselves from your sales process, okay? So someone comes into your world from a marketing mechanism and they go into a campaign. That campaign is to see if they want to advance themselves into a sales sequence. Now, a sales sequence is triggered by an outreach or their desire to consider working with you, whatever that looks like in your business. If you're a software company, that might be a free trial. That then becomes a sales sequence. But maybe if you're a software company, the thing that they downloaded was a on-demand demo, right? But that doesn't mean they want to buy something. So to me, if they decided to download an on-demand demo, that would be a campaign. If they then decided to take the trial, that would mean they'd go to a sales sequence. And if they then disqualified themselves because of their actions, behavior, or they just decided not to take the trial, you can certainly stack these sequences and campaigns. 
but then and only then by disqualifying their behavior should they end up in a newsletter. Now, this is my philosophy. It's worked very well over the last 20 years. And the thing that's interesting is it's just a slight distinction, not in wording, but in intention and in behavior. And I'm a behavior-based, data-based marketer. So for me, I'm always saying, what is their behavior telling me they'd like to do? So let's move on to, and I'm just going to touch on this very briefly. People often ask me, Daryl, what tools should I use? What are the best email marketing tools? Listen, I really try to leave this question out for those who want to hypothesize. I think everybody has their favorites. My favorite today, I have two favorites today, and it's not because I think they're the best in the world. I do fully believe in these two brands. One of them is HubSpot. Obviously, I, as an agency at Yoko Local, we're a HubSpot partner. My podcast runs on HubSpot. I'm all in on HubSpot. And again, I'm not a Johnny-come-lately HubSpot fan. I've been a HubSpot fan since 2013. We became a partner in 2015, so I know this platform, I'd like to say inside and out, but you know it's obviously ever-changing and ever-growing. Um, but I got to tell you that there are plenty of great platforms. I'm also a big fan of the robustness of active campaigns, automation, and workflows, and tagging system. Um, but let's be clear. Constant Contact's been around forever. ConvertKit is amazing. MailChimp is now really stepped up their game. And then, of course, in the e-commerce space, there's Clavio. And there's so many more, you guys. Listen, I'm not here to tell you which tool is the right tool. I can tell you that most of the tools can handle all of those five best practices that we talked about a moment ago. And so as I wrap up today's episode, I wanted to just kind of really drive home the point that in my opinion, still to this day, and on all the data and the hundreds and hundreds of agency customers we've had, as well as the probably now thousands of people who have consumed our content and what have you, we know for a fact that it's unequivocal that if I'm going into a, an ad campaign and we're getting a 3x ROI or three times ROAS or a four times ROAS, by the way, sorry about the fancy word, return on ad spend, ROAS, ROAS, if we're getting a three, four, five return on ad spend, that's all good. It's fantastic. But if I can take someone through email and get a 36 to 1 ROI, it's simple math. 36 to 1 is way better than 5 to 1. I think we figured that out in the third or fourth grade. We don't have to be that much of a genius to understand that. The problem is you have to get in the game and understand that email is an always on channel. I believe until and unless these popular websites, when you sign up until they stop asking you for an email address, then email still matters. That's my two cents on email marketing. Whether you're a startup, whether you're a seasoned business, whether you maybe have neglected email at some point over the last number of years, I would really highly encourage you to spend your time and energy and effort there first before you go to the ad acquisition channels, which are really fantastic. Like we love all the ad acquisition channels. Don't get me wrong but you've got to be building an email list. I hope this has uh, brought some clarity to you today. Hope you've got some thoughts on it. I'd love to hear what you're doing. I'm available online at Mr. Daryl Evans. I'd love to hear your comments. Uh, feel free to DM me pretty much anywhere. LinkedIn, Instagram um, are my two primary channels. And I would hope that if you found some value out of this, you would share this with someone who maybe is asking these same questions. Does email still matter today? Is social media, I'm putting all my time in social media. Are you really building an email list? And, you know, as far as open rates and engagement rates, that to me is all about 
engagement, and personalization. So listen, I hope this serves you well. I hope you'll come back for part three. Part three is where I'm going to talk a bit about social media and some of the ideas that I shared with this Founder University group about thinking about social media as a startup. I hope this finds you well, and I'll see you on another episode. Take care.